welcome. If I could personally say to you, happy Father's Day to all our dads. You guys are rocking it. We thank God for you. I want to personally say happy first Father's Day to my husband in the back. Uh, Years in the making, and he is killing it, guys. He is killing it. So thank you. Happy Father's Day. Just in case my dad watches, happy Father's Day to you, too. Can't miss anybody. Uh, So this morning, I'm going to come and bring the word to you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's been a long time, actually, since I've been up here um, in this capacity, Uh, but it's my heart to always, like, speak the word of God, so it's a privilege to be here. We have been going through a series called Foundations. Pastor Eric has preached the last couple of weeks, and we're really talking about the foundation of the church, where it all started, and that gives us the tools that we need to be able to bring it forward and to do it well. And I'm going to continue on in that series today. Today's sermon is called How to Keep It Healthy. How to Keep It Healthy. Who knows, or who could agree with me, that starting something And initiating something is one thing, but keeping it going and keeping it healthy to the point where it finishes strong is a whole other thing. Who has, who's a starter here? Raise your hand if you're good at starting projects, right? You open up all your closets, you take everything out. You're like, I'm going to organize everything today. And then at the end of the day, you're like in chaos because you somehow, somewhere along the way, you've kind of lost the momentum. You've lost the steam. But today we want to talk about how do we keep that steam going? How do we keep it healthy? Our Christian life is not just about how we started, but we want to make sure we're healthy so that way we can finish strong. Who here likes to garden? Show of hands. Okay. We do not have that in common. Okay. I do not like to garden. People ask me, I feel like this is the topic in the summer and the spring. Oh, do you have a garden? I do not have a garden. I will take vegetables from your garden, but please don't expect anything from ours. We have no garden. I just know that with a garden, you got to water it. You got to weed it. You got to constantly be making sure that there's no animals coming in. It takes a lot of work. And you got to, in order to keep it healthy to the point where you have good yield at the end, it takes a lot of work. And much in the same way, our Christian life does not go on cruise control. As much as I think that there's this mentality of like, okay, I, I love the Lord, I got saved, and that's going to just kind of keep me going all along. And while you may have that, you may have eternal life in heaven, there's much more that the Lord has for us. And that is vibrancy here on the earth. And so we want to make sure that we are moving forward in making sure putting all the healthy habits in place so that way we can finish strong. There was an evangelist that lived during the 1800s. His name is Billy Sunday. And he was quoted in saying, if you took no more care of yourself physically than spiritually, you'd be just as dried up physically as you are spiritually. Can you imagine if we treated our bodies the same way we treat our spiritual lives, where you only feed it for about an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, you only give it a little bit of exercise once a week, maybe a little bit on a Wednesday, five minutes here or there, but the rest of the time your body is starving, needing something more. And our spiritual man is just as important as our physical bodies. And so we want to know, how do I keep this thing healthy? How do I keep it going? 
Paul was a man, if you read through the New Testament, you see that he planted tons of churches all throughout the known world at the time. And not only did he plant those churches where he set up and he moved on to the next place and he, uh, and he preached the word of Jesus and he established a new church and he established a new church. If he were to just have planted those churches, maybe that could have been enough. But there was a constant communication, a constant, he would go back and visit those churches. He would write them letters to make sure that the churches that he planted stayed healthy. He saw the importance of making sure that they understood what the word of God said and that they were holding to it. And so he wrote them letters. We're going to look at one of those letters today. I mean, it kind of be jumping around, but we're going to look at 1 Corinthians today. The first thing I want to propose to you, how we keep our spiritual lives healthy, how we keep Bethel Christian Church healthy as a whole is by number one, never elevating one person or any one thing above Jesus Christ. Right off the bat, you see, if you read through the first book of Corinthians, you see that Paul addresses the, an issue that started to develop in the church. And that issue was that these people became more obsessed with their loyalty to one person over another. So you had Paul, and people loved Paul, and so they would say, Paul's my guy. Anything that Paul's got to say, I'm standing by Paul. I believe in him. Uh, he's the only teacher I want to listen to. Then you had other teachers that were growing up in the church, and they were present, and they were laboring with them, and other people have said, I don't care about Paul. Paul's not here right now. This guy's here. I'm going to listen to what this guy's got to say. Kind of, you could see that happening in the church today, right? Like, I don't need to hear what that guy's got to say. I want to listen to what this person has to say. And so what ended up happening is this wedge started to appear within the church where there was two sides of the aisle. Some people sided with this person and another person sided with this person. And so it was creating division in what should instead be a healthy, unified church. And so Paul writes to them and he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He was trying to prove to them or tried to show them that it wasn't about having loyalty to one person over the other, but it was about the foundation of Jesus Christ. Not one person was responsible for that church. Instead, it was God using multiple people to make something grow. It wasn't about the messenger, but it was about the message of Christ. And we can get very into the same issues very subtly where we become obsessed with the mouse, mouthpiece. And we think, I want to be more like this person instead of seeing what the truth is that they're preaching. An example, if my sermon is terrible today, that shouldn't affect the vibrancy of your spiritual walk. And thankfully, we have a dynamic man of God that stands in this pulpit and preaches the word and does so with such effectiveness and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And while we can be so grateful for that, and we are, it's a privilege to have that within this church. At the same time, our faith and the growing of our faith should not rest on the effectiveness of Pastor Eric's preaching. 
But instead, we should engage in our own relationship with Christ, where we're supporting Pastor Eric in this ministry. We're supporting Bethel Christian Church because our focus is not on the man, not on the messenger, but on the message of Jesus Christ. The second thing that I think sometimes we get caught up in, and this might, I'm gonna, you're going to need to hear me out for a second because it's going to sound a little weird at first, but we elevate community over Jesus. And what I mean by that, I love, 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 love community. You get me in a conversation, I'm all about it. I love to hang out with people. I come from a big family, sitting around a table, just talking with people is like my favorite thing to do. I was like seven years old. Whenever the adults would be around the table having coffee, I'd be like pulling up my chair and I wanted to sit with the adults having coffee. I like love being around people in the church. I think it's a beautiful thing that we have the opportunity to come together and worship together. It's a good thing to have community. But when we place community and we think that it's this, having people around me, encouraging me, that is what is my, my faith is based in, where it's not about having a relationship with Jesus, but it's just around people that make me feel good. I promise you at some point that's gonna wear off. And it's not going to have the same type of effect on you that it once had. Don't get me wrong. I think acceptance and having a place of belonging can have a huge positive impact on our lives. And it should. The body of believers was designed so that way we can together elevate the, the name of Jesus while supporting one another. But when our focus becomes solely on the fellowship and not on the fellowship with Jesus Christ himself, we become unhealthy because we don't have the strength. We're not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have each a job to do within the body. And you're only going to get the empowerment to complete that job and to do it well if you are plugged into Jesus Christ. And you're plugged into the empowering of his Holy Spirit. But if you're coming in here dry and just looking for people to fill you up, you may get that once in a while. But again, it will wear off. We need to make sure that even our sense of community is biblically in proportion with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're looking for our values to bind us, we think, okay, I'm coming to church. We all think the same way. I promise you not everyone in this room right now values the same thing that you value. We might have a lot of things in common, but there's going to be some differences where we have different opinions in what has priority of our, in our lives. That is okay. If you think it's your political affiliation, okay, we've heard enough about this, right? Obviously, we don't all have the same political leanings. Maybe at one point in the church, everyone did feel the same way, but we'd be disillusioned to think that everyone has the same political concepts and agrees with you. That is not what binds us together. Even our theology, the more you study the word of God and you start to open up commentaries and you're looking online, you will see that good, God-fearing people debate about different scriptures, and we'll see, we'll interpret them differently. Even our theology cannot be 100% lined up. But the one thing that we come together, the one thing that really binds us, that makes us a body, is the power of the cross and what Jesus accomplished on that cross and what that means for each one of you. 
It's not about what God did for someone else, but I had that experience. I had that time at the altar. I had that time in my, uh, at the time when I was a child, like crying at my bed between me and the Lord that he spoke to me and I felt a powerful move of the Holy Spirit on my life. That is what brings me into community and that's what binds me to the body of believers. It's because of his position in my life, not just the community of believers. The second thing, and I'm going to hopefully move a little quickly, that I want to propose to you that helps us to keep our, relation, our, our spiritual lives healthy is that we don't make excuses for bad behavior. In the Corinthian church, I think this is interesting, but the Corinthian church was really set at the epicenter of an immoral society. Anyone here ever watch Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, okay. Remember when they go into this island, it's just debaucherous. And they're trying to get other people to get on the boat with them. I hope you're tracking with me because otherwise this just sounds like nonsense. Basically, Corinthians or Corinth was a seaport town and it was known for its immoral lifestyle. It actually became a verb. And the verb was Corinthianize. Corinthianize, if you look it up, stands for Uh, to live an immoral life. Can you imagine that's where you're from? Imagine if all of a sudden the verb came about bristolized. Bristolized meant to live an immoral life. How many people would move? Like, I'm not gonna live there. That represents all terrible things. That was, that's what Corinth was known for, is it was an immoral place. And so here you have a church that is established by Paul, and you have all these people that are so familiar, that are just so, the immoral ways of the society were so common to them, they they just began to wear off. They had no real effect on the people. And so what ended up happening is these things that would happen outside of the church slowly began to creep inside of the church. They were actually sleeping with prostitutes and thought that was okay. I'd like to hear the rationale for that, right? Like, okay, but to them, that was a normal part of life. In that city, it was normal to the point where Paul had to write them a letter to say, this is not okay. Maybe a less offensive thing that they were also engaged in is that whenever there were disputes within the church, instead of handling themselves, they would go out into the public courts and they were suing one another and they were allowing Uh, the courts to settle the matters for things that were happening within the church. And Paul's saying, this is not okay. You guys are allowing these sinful behaviors to enter into the church. Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch with yeast as you really are. He's saying to them, these sins... Even if it's a little bit, they're going to spoil the entire church. And I want to just point out two things in relation to that. The first one is that we have to be very aware and almost willing to dig and see the areas of our lives that we've become so accustomed to and their sinful behaviors and they do not line up with the word of God. We have to be honest Be willing to confess those things and allow the Lord to extract those things from within our lives. You are too valuable to the Lord to be disillusioned by the sin in your life. 
And that's what Paul wanted to make sure these believers knew. He didn't want them to just go on their merry way thinking, hey, a little bit of this, I'm not bothering anybody. No one's even gonna know. It's gonna make a difference in your life. And you feel, if you feel like there's things that you've allowed within your life and they've created some division, it's not too late. It's never too late to bring those things, to confess them before the Lord and say, Lord, this is an area in my life that I just need to confess to you and I need your power to get them out of my life. We have to be willing to confess those things to the Lord. The second thing is that we're serious about doing that. The Bible says to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. I once heard a demonstration, a, a story that I thought was really good. Someone was preaching and they gave this story, so I'm gonna do my best to tell it now. This person had a lot of dramatic uh, flair and I, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to pull this off, but I'll do my best. And that is that there was a man, he has his house, his nice house, a Christian man, and there's a knock at the door. And he opens the door and it's the devil. And he's like, what are you doing here? You can't come in. And the devil's like, no, 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 I know, I can't come in. I can't come in. But do you mind if I just leave my hat here and I'll leave my hat and then I'm not gonna bother you, I'll go. And the guy's like, fine, just to get rid of you, fine, leave your hat here and go. So the devil goes and he puts his hat on the hook and he walks away. The guy's like, good, got rid of him. Comes back, knocks on the door. What are you doing here? Get out of here. I told you you can't come. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but can I just leave my cane here? And then I promise I'll be out of your hair. Fine, leave your cane and go. Next day, knock at the door, right? This is getting old. And he says, let me just leave my coat. Okay, fine, fine. Leave your coat, but please go and don't come back. The next day, the devil comes back, knocks at the door, and he says, what are you doing here? I told you to go. He's like, I live here, my coat's here, my cane's here, my hat's here, let me in, this is my house, right? To show us that we think that these little things that we just allow in our lives, and I'm not standing up here as like someone that has none of these things in my life, I have my own things. And I'm just as accountable to God as I'm asking you to be accountable to God. But we have to be serious about confessing those things to God, of hating those things that separate us from God. So that way he can remove those things and we could continue on in health in our spiritual life because you are deceiving yourself if you think that the sin in our lives are not affecting our relationship with God. By his grace and by his mercy, we continue on and we are blessed because of our relationship with him, but we are missing out when we're allowing sin to fester in our lives and those things could have detrimental effect on our spiritual life. The last thing I wanna draw your attention to is another issue that Paul was seeing in the church. And that is in order to stay healthy as Christians, we have to actually stop focusing on ourselves. Paul was seeing this and he used two examples of what was going on in the church. The first one is that you had uh, different Christians that had that were walking with the Lord for different lengths of time. And so the maturity level was different amongst the Christians. Like in here, you have some people that have just come to know the Lord are kind of exploring that. And other people that have walked with the Lord for years and years and maybe generations. 
And so what was happening is that some of the Christians in the church were judging others for the things that they were doing out of their own zeal for pursuing the Lord, meaning that they would not eat meat because they felt like, I don't want to take the chance that this meat was sacrificed to idols, so I refused to eat meat. And then you had Christians that just were not worried about that because they understood their freedom in Christ and they were putting pressure on the younger believers. Basically, it was this like, almost like judgmental thing that was happening within the church. And it was making the young Christians just feel unsettled in their faith. The second thing that he points out, and this takes place in Corinthians chapter 11, this seems like a bit of an odd thing to me, but during the time of communion, you'd have some families that would get to the, the church early and they would eat all of the communion that is so weird isn't that weird like who would do that why would you do that but they would be like you know what you snooze you lose this is what time we do communion you're not here I'm eating it all and so the believers that would come in late they would have no communion there's an Italian word for this no one in the first service knew it besides Pastor Eric okay the Italian connection is strong here. There's an Italian word, it's called scustamad. Has anyone ever heard this word? My mom would give me the lecture every time, don't be a scustamad, which meant you would go to someone's house, when someone puts food in front of you, don't touch it. I was not allowed to touch any snacks, the soda, nothing, because I couldn't appear to be rude. I wasn't supposed to appear like a hog of someone that just couldn't wait to get to their house and eat all their food. These people were major schustamads. They were hogs, they were rude, and they were putting their own self above the rest of the body. And Paul's like, yeah, that's, what are you expecting to happen if you're not putting and valuing the other people within your body? Instead, you're valuing your own self above that. And that's what ends up happening. And I think that this is really kind of common within the, the Christian church in America. For example, I went on a missions trip to Italy. This was years and years ago. And I had a really nice study Bible. I forget where I got this Bible, but it was a, it was a really nice Bible. And it had all the notes at the bottom. And someone was, an Italian person was looking at my Bible and they're like, wow, this is a really nice Bible. And I was like, yeah, this is, I got this, who knows when, whatever. And they were like, we just got Bibles with red letters in them. Meaning that we have this variety here. You want a Bible that's purple leather, that inside's got the space for you to draw nice doodles. You want a Bible that has all the notes at the bottom. You want a Bible that's chronological. You have your pick. We have our pick of whatever we want here. Again, if you don't like what I got to say today, you can go in your car. You could pick up your phone, put on a podcast. You could dial Stephen Furtick right up, and he could preach to you a better sermon. You can go online and look at all the insightful quotes. Go on Instagram, get all those positive affirmations. You can get all of those things. We have our pick here in the United States. We have become consumers, even in the Christian church, where it becomes more about feeding me, feeding me. And listen, I want to just be careful with this because all of those things that I just said, I do all of those things. I go on, I listen to Christian podcasts. I read a lot of Christian books. Uh, maybe not a lot of Christian books, but I read some Christian books. Let's get real here. Um, I will go on YouTube. I listen to those things. 
These are not bad things. It, we should not feel bad that we have access to these things in the United States. That is because of our freedom. I, am, I feel blessed to be in a place where I have total access to all of these things that feed my soul, my Christian life, that feed my, the spiritual man within me. It is a blessing to have those things. So I don't want to make you feel bad for those. That is a privilege that we have. However, what that does is sometimes we become so obsessed, which is filling ourselves and being focused on feeding me that I'm no longer preoccupied or I'm not even concerned about the person that's sitting next to me. And I refuse to do anything because you know what? I'm not 100% right now. And so when I'm 100%, then maybe I'll do something for God. But right now I'm not 100%. So I got to fill that tank before I extend myself. And the purpose of the Christian church was never to just be consumers, never to just be takers, but to be a people that poured out, to be a people that looked to their brother and sister, saw those in need around them, and instead of focusing solely on themselves, was focused on what God needed to do through them to touch the people that were around them. We have not only the privilege to serve, we're gonna be held accountable for that before the Lord. We all, or some of you may know the story of the Good Samaritan, the one person that saw beyond himself to help the person in need around them. If we wanna stay healthy as believers, as Christians, if we wanna leave a legacy for the generations beyond us, then Bethel Christian Church and every person that's sitting in a pew in this sanctuary has to be thinking beyond themselves. And there is a time and there's a place when we feel like we're in need and we can take the time with the Lord. There's nothing wrong when, we have, when we're in a place of, um, when we feel like we are in a place of the negative, sorry, I can't really come up with the words, where we're like negative and we need God to help us get back in the positive we can come to the Lord and he's gracious and he's good to us and he feeds into us. But again, the point is that we can consume, but with the purpose of pouring out. So let's not just be a church that's like me, 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 but what can I do beyond myself? So if we wanna stay healthy, just in, by way of review, we need to make sure that we're not elevating any one person, any people, or anything above Jesus Christ himself. We have to make sure, as I look at my notes here, that we're not making excuses for bad behavior. And lastly, that we are not just focusing on ourselves because there is a great commission. Pastor Josh said this in his prayer. In the book of Matthew, we have been commissioned to go and make disciples. It wasn't just do your own thing, go along your own way, and that's it. But when we are so focused inwardly and we get, allow ourselves to get caught up in these other areas that we already have seen Paul correcting within the Corinthian church, then we are stunting our own growth in the Lord. And this is not just for one person. This is something that each of us have to take in and measure against our own lives. Pastor Eric's gonna come and we actually have a couple of announcements, uh, but after that, or I'm gonna ask the altar workers to come up now actually, um, and I just wanna be sensitive because we do have an announcement that Pastor Eric will come and talk about in a minute. Come on, altar workers, you could come. Come, come. 
Okay. If you are, if you need prayer today, if you feel as though there's areas, as I said in the first uh, or in the second point, that there's areas in your life that are sin that need to be extracted, then coming to someone that could pray with you is really the first step in allowing God to do something in your life. If you feel as though your focus has been so inward and you don't even know how, your, your problems feel so big that you don't even know how to look outside of those problems, you need the Lord to help you with that. And if that's your prayer, then you should come. And if you feel as though Jesus' position in your life, you don't have the, your relationship with God isn't enough to feed you, and that's a very, very honest place to be. I don't fault you for feeling that way because I and myself have many times realized that I was leaning on other things because my relationship with Jesus just wasn't enough. And that was because I wasn't plugged into my relationship with Jesus. And I was just hoping that the other things in my life, like church and friends and family, was going to do it for me. And so to come to a point to say, Lord, this doesn't feel enough, but I know it is enough, so help me to really grasp that, where your a relationship with you is doing enough for me in my life. If any of those things, if you find yourselves in any of those categories, take the time to pray about those things today and allow the Lord to bring you beyond that. I'm gonna pray for you and then I'm gonna uh, hand the mic over to Pastor Eric. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what we can learn about in your word. We thank you for the letters of Paul who spoke to the church and just saw such importance in correcting things for the, their own personal health and for the health of the church. Lord, we wanna be a healthy church. We wanna be healthy Christians and not dysfunctional ones. Lord, help us, Lord, to see the areas in our life that need to be corrected and help us to have the vulnerability and the willingness to allow your spirit to change those things in our life. We thank you and in your name we pray, amen.